0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review.
1: Three Martinis coming up. It is Friday on the Three Martini Lunch. We're so glad you're with us. We don't really have good, bad and crazy martinis. We're going to have three different aspects to the news that President Trump and the First Lady Melania Trump have tested positive for coronavirus. Uh Jim, it was only October 1st, maybe the wee hours of October 2nd. We've already got our first October surprise. And given that it's 2020, something tells me we've got quite a few more that will unfold. But uh, the president tweeted yesterday evening that his longtime aide, Hope Hicks, who had started with him at the White House, left and is now back. Uh, she tested positive, And so they were undergoing testing and had gone into uh, quarantine. And then shortly after midnight, he tweeted out that he and Melania had, in fact, tested positive for uh, the COVID SARS-2 virus, and uh, Barron has not. Uh, Ivanka and Jared have tested negative. Mike Pence has tested negative. Uh, The RNC chairwoman, however, uh, Ronna McDaniel, has tested positive. Uh, So far, it's either asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic. Uh, So we'll see how this progresses. Um, Right now, Jim, for the most part, I think most people wish them well, but that's not the case everywhere uh joy reed for example tweeted out here's how wrecked trump's credibility is at this point i've got a cell phone full of texts from people who aren't sure whether to believe trump actually has covid he lies so much one friend just texted is he doing this to get out of the debates others are texting uh and if you think that's crazy you should read her replies uh linda sarsour also thinks it's a debate duck although trump's former physician ronnie jackson thinks he'll be fine and uh, no longer uh, COVID positive uh, in time for the next debate since it's about two weeks away. Then you've got uh, Zara Rahim, a former national spokeswoman for Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. It's been against my moral identity to tweet this for the past four years, but I hope he dies. On the lighter side, on the nicer side, Rachel Maddow, who's obviously no fan of the president. Very nice tweet. God bless the president and first lady. If you pray, please pray for their speedy and complete recovery and for everyone infected everywhere. The virus is horrific and merciless. No one would wish its wrath on anyone. Jim, uh, the president is supposedly still energetic. Uh, Mark Meadows says he could still do the job. He's obviously doing it from the residents. So, as we start here in the first phase of this discussion, what do we make of the fact that uh, the president has now been diagnosed, even if it remains only mildly
0: symptomatic? Yeah, there's a lot to go through there, uh, Greg. One of the first things that comes to mind is if something is against your moral identity to tweet, then don't tweet it. And if you do tweet it, then I guess it's not really as against your moral identity as you thought it was. Beginning and first and foremost, uh, it's something cliche to say thoughts and prayers about the president, but I really will be saying a prayer for the president and the first lady tonight and for everyone else who has... Uh, been exposed and is fighting off the the infection. Uh, You didn't mention it in your list. I think it broke right before we started recording, Greg, but Senator Mike Lee of Utah also said he had tested positive. Uh, And I believe he was at the White House earlier this week. Uh, Look, you know, by a lot of measures, the president should pull through this just fine. Um, He's obviously the president of the United States is going to have access to the best doctors, the best technology, the best equipment, and the best treatment uh, regimes and programs that they possibly have. So that's the good news. Uh, You know, we also should acknowledge, though, that this is a 74-year-old man who is kind of in the definition of a stressful job. Um, He is a little heavy for his age. I'm not throwing stones. I just simply am observing this. Um, He's on medication for cholesterol. His coronary calcium CT scan back in 2019 was 133, indicating he has plaque in his blood vessels the president has to take this seriously. And it sounds like he is. Um, I have a corner post there where I just kind of observed and we'll talk a bit about the political ramifications of all this. But if the doctor says, I want you on two weeks of bed rest, I want the president to be on two weeks of bed rest. If, uh, if he says less than that amount of time, fine. I I just hope that for his sake, for Melania's sake, for Barron's sake and the entire Trump family, I hope he beats this. I hope he beats this quickly. And I hope he beats this solidly. Um, you know, some people make a quick recovery and are back to 100%. Some people have lingering issues, and the presidency is a tough job. So uh, I will very much be pulling for the president to beat this, as well as Melania and everyone else who's been, Hope Hicks and everyone else who's been infected recently. Um, you know, this is a big deal. This is a, a serious consequential uh, you know, development that kind of puts everything else on the back burner. Uh, I understand, obviously, they're trying to trace who gave it to the president. The initial thought was Hope Hicks, but apparently some people are saying that if the president developed symptoms as early as uh, this morning, that may not have been long enough, so the incubation period for Hicks may not have been correct. Um, this is going to create some real serious complications for those who are working in the White House. Despite how the, we kind of think of the White House as looking uh, grand and everything, people who work inside say, actually, it's pretty cramped. Uh, a lot of people have to get a lot of work done in the West Wing very tough to maintain social distancing. And it sounds like up until recently, they were not wearing masks consistently. I hope they start wearing them consistently now. Um, so operating government at this level is going to be particularly challenged now that we know that there, is, there was an outbreak in the West Wing, that Hope Hicks had it. I assume they're testing everybody else. I hope they'll be able to uh, isolate and find that. Um, but obviously considering you know, national security issues and things like that, a lot of work that goes on at the White House can't be done from home. Um, so, you know, we just entered a a completely different stage of this. I kind of feel like some people wanted to believe the pandemic was behind us. And I think in a very glaring way, it is not, uh, the vaccine's getting closer. We are probably going to have this not a factor in our lives. You know, ideally that vaccine comes along early this, or towards the end of this year, early next year, and, and we get back to normal life sometime in 2021. But until then, we still have to be very careful. And the whole bunch of us, including the president and first lady have a fight on our hands.
1: Absolutely, and it's good to know that he's uh, in the best possible medical care that there that there is. He's going to be constantly monitored. Uh, the first lady, as far as we know, is in excellent health. She's obviously considerably younger than him, uh, and hopefully, uh, Barron does not get it uh, since he has tested negative at this point. Jim, I assume there are ways for the president to uh, sign anything he needs to sign, like we can sign real estate documents just uh, on the iPad now.
0: Uh, he doesn't actually have to have stuff brought to him with a pen, does he? You could disinfect the pen. You, you, there, there are ways <laughs> to work around this, but yeah, that you know, the, he should be able to operate. Uh, do as long as he physically feels up to it, he should be able to do his job. Now, here's the thing: people may remember Boris Johnson back in the spring got the infection, and he was doing okay for a while, and then it turned very serious. He was in the ICU. Uh, we kind of easily forget it was about a three week period there, and the foreign secretary kind of stepped in. They don't have a vice president, but they. Uh, stepped into the role of the prime minister for a couple-week period. So uh, I went through the history of that in the U.S. presidency, actually used much less frequently than you think. Reagan did it back in 85. Ironically, not in 81 when he was shot, um, but in 85 that uh, the President Reagan was going to be under anesthesia for uh, surgery for uh, his colon, and uh, they, they put him under, and vice president at that point, George H.W. Bush, was the acting president for... Uh, a couple hours and a similar experience in 2002, George W. Bush was having colonoscopies. People don't realize Dick Cheney was acting president of the United States for about two hours and 15 minutes. So um, it's not inconceivable we could see a scenario like this. Still premature, I, you know. It sounds like the president is still awake, alert, and doing okay. Um, but you know, we just don't know how this is going to shake out, and so that's an unusual circumstance that could be coming down the pike at some point.
1: Won't be surprised if Mike Pence is working from home for a little while here too, mm. but uh, again, hopefully everybody is going to be fine and uh, uh, the symptoms do not get too severe for anyone. All right, let's talk about another aspect of this gym because uh, Tuesday night was the first debate uh, that was in Cleveland, and next week, of course, is the vice presidential debate, and I think the next presidential debate is the town hall on October fifteenth. So we're basically two weeks away from that. Uh, Again, there are folks who think he could be not only uh, recovered, but uh, not even COVID positive by then. Obviously, he'll be tested frequently to find out if that's the case. So it's possible he could be on the same stage. Uh, I think at this point, everyone's assuming he'll participate. Exactly what that will look like uh, could be something since not only will Biden and Steve Scully be there, but you'll have a, a smattering of the uh, regular folk asking questions at the town hall. So uh, I, I guess there's not a lot we can answer right now, but uh, what does this do to the debate format, the debate schedule, do you think?
0: Yeah, uh, look, this is, first of all, I, th- I had always kind of thought that Uh, The vice presidential debate was going to be a little more important than usual, in part because of the advanced age of Joe Biden. And obviously, many Republicans are saying that Biden may or may not finish his term and that Kamala Harris would become kind of the the president in waiting in a Biden administration. Um, And obviously, the president has this health issue. So now I think there's gonna be a great deal of interest in it. I assume it will go forward on the 7th. But, you know, maybe we have the equivalent of a Zoom debate, uh, or maybe they keep Kamala Harris and Mike Pence in different rooms they're going to change the format, I suspect. Um, I, think everybody, I think everybody had kind of figured that, okay, this wasn't that bad. You've uh, obviously seen discussion of uh, Melania Trump and various other members of the president's family did not wear masks when they were in Cleveland le- uh, earlier this week. Well, I, I mean, I think, you know, I think everybody's going to be wearing masks, and I think it's going to be a lot more precautions for this. You know, we don't know what the president's condition is going to be heading into the week of the, the 15th. Uh, I Certainly, I think everyone's hoping he will be Hale and hearty, and, and you know either well on the road to recovery or fully recovered, but we just don't know. Uh, the president could be, uh, you know, he could be in rough shape at that point. We just, you know, it, it, sometimes some people have a very tough time fighting this off. Uh, shortness of breath and, and things like that, and those are the kind of things that would probably make it um, very difficult to debate. I don't know if that would lead to a postponement. I don't know if that would lead to a cancellation. It's kind of funny in light of all the people who uh, speculated that Biden was going to cancel or that Biden was going to look for an excuse. I think it is very likely that Biden and Trump will not be in the same room, uh, certainly for the rest of the month and maybe not for the rest of the debate. And let point out that like, you know, we have the vice presidents, uh, next Wednesday, the second debate of the president is supposed to be the Thursday after that, the 15th. And the last debate is supposed to be the 22nd of October. Um, now I don't know. I mean, again, president could, you know, by, by tomorrow be looking terrific and everything could be fine or he could be having a lingering fight with this. So I don't know if we will see, I, I, I doubt this, the debates would be canceled entirely, but I also do think that um, they're probably going to be altered and we probably have seen them in the same room uh, for the last time in, in the year, you know, the 2020 presidential election cycle. Well, I assume they're going to rigorously test. So
1: if he tests negative for a number of days leading up to it, you think they're still going to change it?
0: I suspect that the Biden campaign is going to want to keep their guy away from basically all human beings at this point. Look, you know, Biden is even older. Biden has had even more health issues in his past. So I think this is the sort of thing that will make everybody around both candidates much more careful than they have been. Jim, just in thinking of
1: this, uh, which gives you more confidence an acting president Mike Pence, God forbid that would be necessary, or an acting president Kamala Harris, God forbid
0: that would be necessary. Well, I think you know which guy I like better. <laughs> uh, but again, I hope it doesn't come to either of those uh, cases. I, I, you know, again, the, the thing will be odd and you kind of wonder, you know, the challenge for Tim Kaine was very different from the challenge that Hillary Clinton faced last cycle. The challenge for Kamala Harris is going to be very different from the challenge for Joe Biden in this cycle. Mike Pence is going to go out there and interrupt everything Kamala Harris says for, you know, the way the president did this week. Pence is going to come out, though, and Pence, you know, I think it's safe to say, likes to get a lot more specific. He's a lot more wonky, you know, kind of his earnest Midwestern tone. And I think uh, the contrast, you know, in normal circumstances, the contrast would be very, very effective. I I think this kind of just throws a giant new X factor into how the debates shake out from here. Should we do a giggle count for Kamala Harris? Yeah, Pence will give that, you know, faux sympathetic, you know, I pity you head shake. I'm doing it, but you can't see it because it's an audio podcast. <laughs> yeah, I get the sense
1: that, that Mike Pence would be grimly resigned to have to step in for a, a day or so if he, if you know, if things were necessary on the medical front, whereas Kamala Harris would be spinning herself around in the
0: chair. Not she that she would the locks. Not that she would want anything bad to happen to Biden. Biden comes back. I don't understand it. This key to the Oval Office worked on Monday.
1: Hi, I'm Sarah Carter. On every edition of the Sarah Carter podcast, I say we're taking back the story. And that's exactly what we have to do. Whether it's the Russia hoax, the relentless attacks on President Trump pretending Antifa doesn't exist, or covering up for the repressive Chinese government, the mainstream media isn't interested in the truth. It's up to us to uncover the truth and share it with others. Please join me in taking back the story on the Sarah Carter podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, let's talk about our final aspect of here, Uh, Jim. uh, Let's see. It's October 2nd, which means there are what, 32 days left until Election Day and probably a couple more days beyond that to find out for sure who won. How does this change the race? I mean, Trump is obviously not going to be able to hold rallies probably for the next week, probably two, uh, that he loves to get out there and, and do that. Polls would suggest he's got some work to do to, to make up gaps in some of the key states. So uh, Biden, I assume, will just hunker down even more. But uh, how do you expect this to
0: play out? Yeah, I mean, this is, I could, I could summarize it with the short, simple, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> by the way, if you think this is the sort of uh, sudden development that changes the race, Nearly 2.7 million Americans have already cast ballots, uh, primarily states like uh, Virginia, our home state, uh, North Carolina, uh, Wisconsin's up to 437,000 early votes. I think it's something like 16% of the vote total from last time. Um, look, I could see, I, I think this is the sort of thing, that, you know, normally create a great deal of sympathy for the president. I think that uh, no one likes to see a, the president or first lady or anybody else uh, facing a serious health issue. Uh, I think we've already seen, and you, you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, a lot of ugly responses. I, I you know, it's not unthinkable. That if, if, it, if it gets widespread enough, um, if it's not just some random Yahoo on Twitter, but you know, some house member, some democratic official somewhere um, comes out and says something like, you know, oh, I'm glad the president got this or something like that, you know. I, I think, you know, you could see some backlash. I think you could see, uh, you know, people really being horrified if this is seen as a widespread democratic response. As you noted, uh, perfectly appropriate comments this morning from Joe, uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and even some folks like, as you mentioned, Rachel Maddow. So I, I'd like to think, you know, you love President Trump, you hate President Trump, you don't want to see him suffer, and you don't want to see him die. And I think the whole thing extends to the president's family. So, you know, uh, hopefully people take that higher ro- road um, look, there are some people who are going to say, ah, this shows the president wasn't taking this seriously enough. I do know that this, if the narrative of the presidential race was that we're getting out of the, the pandemic and, and things are getting better and things are returning to normal, well, the president getting diagnosed with coronavirus kind of interrupts that. that. That's not what you'd like to have happen. Um, as I mentioned, this will probably take the president off the trail for a while. I, if, if he medically requires it, I hope he stays off the trail. Um, I don't think that by itself will make a huge difference. Um, I wrote something up in the corner this morning, just observing that like one trip or one rally is not going to make the difference, I don't think. And, you know, in order to have a second term of Trump, we need to have President Trump around. So I think the president's health has to come first and foremost, uh, both long-term and short-term. But, you know, the the campaign commercials are still going to run. Uh, The campaign social media, all the other efforts of the campaign are still going to run. Um, you know, as long as the president is not uh, delirious or, or in any type of you know state, he'll be able to keep doing what he's doing. He may be able to do video interviews and, and things like that. So I think th- you know this this probably won't be an enormous game changer. That said, I do think there are probably some Republicans, you know, given the choice between having your candidate, uh, you know, not sidelined by coronavirus for in the month of October, for a portion of the month of October, or having that, you'd rather not have it. And I think this is probably one more. Uh, to use a term from the early Obama years, headwind in the face of the uh, Trump campaign, but probably not a decisive one. Yeah.
1: And just uh, one thing that we thought we're going to probably talk about a lot today, but uh, given the news, uh, we didn't. Uh, We did get the uh, September jobs report out. The number of uh, new jobs created was below expectations. It was still 661,000 in the positive direction, though. The expectation had been about 800,000. But the unemployment rate did dip. The estimate was going to be 8.2. It actually is now 7.9, which I believe going south of 8 was the big uh, achievement of the Obama campaign just before the 2012 election. So yeah, uh, we'll see yeah, if that yeah.
0: actually makes a difference. I was going to say, if we were we replacing bets yesterday, I would have said that would have been our good martini, and that would have been our lead item. Um, you know, the, the short answer is, is that that was a pretty good report, probably not quite as good as, as the administration would have hoped, just because that is the last report before the election. Um, you know, the numbers are moving in the right direction, but it's a slightly slower pace. Uh, we'll see if this is a temporary blip or whether this indicates a more serious slowdown next month. Um, you know, it, it could have been worse, could have been better. Um, I think that uh, it'll end up being not nearly as much as a factor as perhaps you and I were thinking yesterday.
1: Jim, you realize it's been two weeks since the death of Justice Ginsburg, and everything that's transpired in that time—the new nomination, the fight over uh, the process for that—we've had the debate. We've got this news now that the president is COVID positive, and if it weren't 2020 enough, Rick Moranis is in the hospital for getting sucker punched in New York. Um, we still got three months left of this year.
0: Yeah, I, I I just wanted to put some sort of Ghostbusters joke in there, but uh, I hope Rick Moranis is is healing well, and um, you know. When de Blasio's record of failures is collated, in amongst all the groundhog murders, we're going to have to put, you know, a crime wave so bad that they hit Rick Moranis in there too.
1: Well, get well, Trump's get well, everyone who is uh, affected by COVID. This weekend comes at a good time. Let's all take a chance to rest up. And Jim, we'll be back together on Monday. See you then. See you Monday, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Karumbis, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Always grateful for a five-star rating and a kind review. Uh, Also, remember to get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great weekend, and we will be back on Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch.